Hello and welcome to the Smarter Conversations podcast, where we'll be weaving together voices from the cotton supply chain. This podcast is brought to you by the US Cotton Trust Protocol. I'm your host, Kathy Smith. I'm an independent freelance journalist. This podcast series does exactly what the name implies. I'm going to be talking to some of the key movers and shakers in the global textile supply chain to dig into the world of cotton. Well, thanks for being with us for what is the third episode in our series. And we're going to explore a new report published by the Economist Intelligence Unit, which in partnership with the US Cotton Trust Protocol, is looking at what business leaders of some of the top fashion brands and retailers are thinking about sustainability. So joining me is Antonia Kell from the Economist Intelligence Unit. Hello to you, Antonia. Hello, very happy to be here. And Gary Adams, president of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, joining us from Memphis, Tennessee. So hello, Gary. Hello, Kathy. Um, Antonia, now I gather you're not by the Mississippi. Where are you at the moment? I am currently located in very sunny Lisbon. You lucky thing. And I'm in, I'm in Brussels in Belgium. So we've got that, a lovely geographic spread. So tell us a little bit more, Antonia, about this uh, brand new study. Tell us what it's all about. Um, absolutely. Thanks, Kathy. So uh, I think there is a general recognition that the fashion and textile industry has a bit of a sustainability problem. And our main goal for this report was really to understand what leading organizations are doing today to help tackle the industry's sustainability problem and what additional support could be needed to actually create change. So to do this, we conducted a sort of three-phased research program between May and September 2020, uh, where we conducted a literature review to help identify key issues and themes. We conducted a survey of 150 business leaders from Europe and North America, and we conducted a comprehensive interview program with senior executives from leading brands. And the report really touches on several key areas that came out of this program. So who um, our interviewees believe is driving the focus on sustainability in the fashion and textile sector, the role of data and standards in evidencing a brand's commitment to sustainability, nuances around the cost of sustainable practices, and maybe more importantly, how brands view their sustainability commitments in light of COVID-19, and how technology will help drive change in the future. And one of our major findings on all of this is that the majority of executives we surveyed really saw sustainability as a top strategic priority. And that while there were many forces driving the sustainability agenda across the industry, brands themselves have a critical role to play. And did that surprise you that it is still a top strategic priority in the midst of this crisis? I think um, it, it wasn't a surprise in the sense that what we heard from um, a number of our interviewees was that, you know, sustainability has become a major strategic priority for organizations. Um, it's no longer sort of a marketing play, but chief sustainability officers actually have a seat at the table with the CEO where they're, you know, implementing and embedding sustainability practices in the broader organization strategy. So I think the idea is that this this function um, is now, you know, no longer threatened by the vagrancies of the market so much and actually is a core embedded part of the organization. Interesting to hear. So, Gary, the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol commissioned the study. Why did you decide to do that? Well, we are uh, 
a new initiative. And when I say we, the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is a new sustainability initiative by the U.S. cotton industry. So as we were launching this initiative, we really wanted to have a better understanding of what what are the uh, drivers of sustainability? What are the attitudes of sustainability, particularly as we are going through the COVID pandemic? So I think for us, it was about how could we gather information on what's important to those brands and retailers? Because one of the uh, issues that we are focusing on at, at the producer level is to look at gathering data and collecting information from them. So how important is that data? How can we supply that to the brands and retailers? For us, it was really to try to get a better understanding of the landscape of sustainability among the brands and retailers so that we can hopefully use that to help shape our program to be in better position to meet their needs. So you really wanted to get inside their thinking, inside their heads. That's a good way to put it. And and really, again, what are the drivers? What are they thinking about? Because sustainability is is when people use that word, it can be such a a far reaching concept. And so to try to have a better understanding of what really is shaping their thinking is, was, I think, a key factor for us. Well, Antonio, I mean, okay, so you've seen that it's still a business priority, um, despite what's going on in the COVID world out there. What exactly did the data show then? Give us a bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways that we structured the survey was looking at what we're calling sustainability enablers in an organization. So some of the questions that we were focusing on were um, designed to get at whether or not organizations were implementing these enablers to become more sustainable. So some of these included whether or not an organization had sustainability as a top strategic objective. And I think 60% of respondents Um, actually said that that was the case, second only to improving customer experience, which was ranked, um, which about 64% of folks uh, ranked in their top three. Um, We also found that um, another area was including sustainability strategy with measurable targets. So 58% of respondents indicated that their organization was doing this, um, collecting data from across the supply chain to track sustainability performance. I think we had 53% of respondents who said their organization was doing this and also having a dedicated sustainability team with its own budget um, and 51% of organizations were doing this. So the idea really is that if organizations are doing all or at least some of these things, um, that that's really going to push the needle within the organization as a whole to become more sustainable. Now, obviously, no company has got a perfect track record, but it really seems to be then that that, um, there are quite tough targets being set and that the when you talk about them having budgets, are they significant budgets? Yeah, I think, um, so we didn't really get into the size of the budget, but I think this goes to the point that I mentioned earlier around sustainability being a, a an actual uh core part of the strategy as opposed to sort of a nice to have marketing endeavor. And that one of the ways that you can measure that is if you actually have a team with dedicated resources, with a dedicated budget of some kind that is behind this. Otherwise, it could just be, you know, somebody on their computer in a basement somewhere working on this that isn't actually, um, and it isn't actually a core part of the business. So that really is what that indicator is telling us that this actually matters to the organization. So it actually matters, Gary. So what does this look like from the from your perspective, the cotton growers? Um, are these calls for sustainability actually trickling down to you and, and to your world? Well, 
they certainly are and and I think you characterized it well when you say that it actually matters to the to the companies and it it, it seems like it's a it's a core part of their strategy now and um, and I think that's what we are continuing to try to convey to the uh, to our cotton producers and they're certainly becoming uh, much more aware of it and probably if you would have asked them uh, a few years ago their impression about sustainability they may have thought it was just a a passing fad, or as Antonio referred to more as the uh, marketing side. But I think they realize the importance that sustainability is taking within the textile supply chain, within the customers that buy, uh, ultimately buy their cotton. And they are taking that seriously and they understand that it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's an important part of their, of the cotton producers' economic survival as they look to hopefully uh, maintain the demand for their cotton. But I think it's it's also it's it's knowing it's important to the brands and retailers, but I think it's also reinforcing the importance to the cotton producers of what they're doing and the fact that they've got to they've got to be able to demonstrate the improvements they are making within their operations, what they are doing to continuously improve, what they're doing to be more efficient with resources, because that's the type of information that we as the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol need to be able to convey to uh, those companies, because I think that's what they're expecting from us. And I mean, looking at the study and from what you're saying, what you're both saying, there was not really one sole driver of sustainability. It seems to be a combination of factors. And I think the way I understand it, the brands are being pushed by customers, but they do also think that global goals and benchmarks are important, things like the sustainable development goals. But they need data. So, Gary, I mean, data is a core element of the trust protocol isn't it so that you will really identify with that it is and i and i again encouraged to see that focus on data and it, it is a it is a priority but it's also a challenge and one that we have to realize uh, the challenges that come with collecting credible information uh, now in terms of what we're trying to do within the u.s cotton trust protocol is to engage producers to actually use a data tool uh, that where they will take a representative sample of their cotton fields and they will meticulously log the information. And when I say information, that will be uh, information such as the amount of fertilizer that's used, uh, the specific number of, of times that they pass over a field with their equipment. So it's very detailed information of exactly how they're farming and, and producing that, co- that uh, crop of cotton. But we can collect that into a data tool that takes those inputs and then uses algorithms and models within that tool to be able to calculate indices for certain environmental metrics, such as greenhouse gas emissions, water efficiency, uh, energy use. So those types of metrics that hopefully will align with uh, efforts such as the sustainable development goals, for example. And again, that's the type of data we're collecting. So take take the uh, data from the farmers, put it into the tools, be able then to assess their environmental footprint on those key metrics, and then be able to aggregate that in, and convey that information to the uh, to the brands and retailers, to those companies. It's amazing to hear you describe the sort of detail that you're having to work in. And, um, and, and I think a lot of people wouldn't really uh, know that you're going down into that sort of detail. Well, it, it is very detailed, and I and I will say too that a a, a lot of our cotton producers are already doing a, this on 
their entire farming operation in terms of collecting data because they know it's not just about the environmental impact they're having, but they also know they have to calculate and determine what types of inputs they're using because they know it affects their bottom line as well. So it's not just uh, efficiency from an environmental resource perspective, it's efficiency from an economic perspective. But you're right, uh, it is a, a tremendous amount of data. And and we have to also acknowledge technology in the role of that of being able to collect that data. There's so much more collected today uh, from the equipment that's being used in the in the farming operation that would not have been possible 15 years ago. So there's a, there's new abilities by the producer to gather that information. Absolutely. And Antonio, then if we're talking about what is driving sustainability, just give us a bit more insight into what the report found about that, because it's, it's, there is sort of, as we say, several factors. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a number of factors that we find in the survey that might be driving sustainability across the industry. But the three that we really focus on in the report are looking at consumer demand, the brands themselves, and um, and good policies or agreements like we've talked about uh, previously. So from a consumer demand standpoint, I think this is there's a bit of nuance in this one. So um, on one hand, all the interviewees that we spoke with, as well as our survey respondents indicated that consumer demand is a critical factor here in driving sustainability. And with each new generation, sustainability becomes more and more important. Um, The question still remains, I think, around whether or not that desire to purchase more sustainable goods actually translates into um, purchases at the at the point of sale um, and as well with the recession that can have an impact on consumers willingness to pay potentially more for um, sustainable products so there's a there's a complexity there um, similarly the brands themselves I mean they are uh, especially the leading organizations that we spoke with you know they have the resources to invest in sustainable solutions they're the ones that are producing ultimately the garments that people buy um, so that is is a really key, they have a really important role and in a way responsibility around producing sustainable uh, products that people are actually going to purchase. And then the final piece here is around um, is around good policy and good guidance for brands. So a number of them um, spoke about how they wanted a set of industry-wide benchmarks to help with this data collection piece, with evidencing their commitments to sustainability, um, best practices around producing sustainable products. So um, there's, I think, a recognition that outside of the brands themselves, there are roles for other third parties to play in terms of helping brands to to design and produce products that are sustainable. So I think the main point is that there are, you know, there are a number of factors that would lead to a more sustainable industry, and and they're all sort of interlinked, and no one really stands out as the core driving force behind change. So they're all interlinked. So really what you're suggesting is that there have to be partnerships to drive this forward then. People have to work with each other and the the rule makers have to deal with the brands and the brands have to deal with the customers and and it all becomes a, a big sort of circle. Yeah, 
absolutely. So I think there's it, it, exactly there needs to be collaboration across the industry. There needs to be, you know, a, a real convening of different stakeholders to come together, um, consumers to be educated for suppliers, as Gary mentioned, to, you know, be willing to invest in more sustainable dyes, for example, or production processes. Um, and as I said, third party organizations that will help maybe develop and disseminate industry wide standards. So I think there's really it's sort of a, a cross a cross multi-stakeholder effort here. You've referred a couple of times to sustainability in the past being seen as a marketing tool. I mean, do brands use still use sustainability as a way to differentiate themselves from the competition or is that changed? I think that's a really great question and there's there's sort of two answers to that. I think on the on the ability to communicate um, a brand's you know sustainability efforts, I think there are sort of two pieces there. So there is there is still a marketing element. There's this very clear set of targets that brands can say that they've met, and they can have you know annual reports that clearly show this. But then a number of our interviewees were talking about bringing the customer on the journey, so helping them get bought in to this story around a sustainable product and why it would matter that a shoe for example, is being produced using recycled plastic from the ocean and how that how that fits into the brand image as a whole. So I think there is still some degree of marketing communication in this, but it's not the sole reason for, for producing a more sustainable product. Um, the second piece here is around brands that are smaller and maybe startup brands that are differentiating themselves based on the sustainability of their products. So I think it is clearly becoming, um, it's clearly a differentiator and those that are really positioning themselves as kind of pioneers in the space, it's built in entirely into their business models. So one of the brands that we interviewed um, is called Reformation and they are very, very transparent about their production processes from, you know, the the supplier, you know, at the far end to even reuse and recycling um, at, at one end of the scale as well. So that is, if you're purchasing something from Reformation, you're doing it because you yourself are invested in their entire business model and how sustainability is embedded there. So those startup brands, I think, are really pushing the needle in the industry as a whole. But uh, Gary, I mean, the, the general thought, though, is that partnership is really important moving forward. I and mean, is that something that, that you are very aware of now in the work that you're doing? You're right. I think partnerships are very important. And it is, is something we are aware of. I think that's why we want to look at uh, the efforts we're doing within the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. How can they be aligned or, or done in collaboration with you know, whether it be the, the UN Sustainable Development Goals or there's other initiatives such as Cotton 2040, uh, the textile exchange is doing a tremendous amount of work as well in terms of trying to uh, create some type of alignment. And so that's a, another initiative that we're um, collaborating with. So I do think as you get more of the uh, different initiatives out there, that there is a need for standardization. And I believe that's probably what we're hearing from the brands and retailers. I thought it was a bit interesting in the uh, survey results, uh, the responses in terms of the need for government policies or government guidance. Uh, typically, it, uh, there's many times a, a reaction that uh, 
you know, more government interference or more government oversight is is not a good thing. But in this case, I think the brands and retailers realize that there's a role to play from the standpoint of, I think, providing some clarity, providing some type of uh, standardization, uh, some type of, uh, of oversight. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? And so just to wrap up then, just let me get a sense from both of you um, how surprising or how significant or how heartened you are by this this research. I mean, um, who's going to really take note of it? Is it the policymakers? Is it the leaders in the fashion world? What, what, what impact can a piece of work like this have? And um, what would you say, Antonia? I mean, our hope is that it's sort of twofold. I think the primary audience in our mind are, you know, senior executives at leading brands that can can look at this and say, okay, what are our peers doing? What should we start doing differently? Um, and I think the other sort of subset within that are folks that might be work, um, from, you know, companies that are maybe less well-known, less household names that might think, okay, actually there is an opportunity for us here to, to maybe do things differently when we might have been held back with the idea that this is this isn't affordable, this isn't easy, this is maybe not something that is worth our while. But then when you see these industry leaders actually taking a stance and really driving sustainability forward, that that might help push the the sort of longer tail in the industry um, and encourage smaller and medium sized businesses to do the same. And what would you say, Gary? Well, I think uh, from from our perspective, the U.S. Cut and Trust Protocol, I believe we've seen uh, information come out of here that really needs to guide how we put continue to put our program together and how we develop our program and the data that we collect and the data that we deliver to the brands and retailers. I believe there is a uh, there's a void there in certain areas in terms of uh, available data and data that can be presented in a way that's uh, easily digestible by the brands and retailers that also meet certain uh, standard formatting. So I believe uh, in some ways this uh, offers opportunities for us, but it also offers some of those uh, challenges to make sure that we collect our information and present our information in a way that is meaningful to the brands and retailers. Well, thank you both very much indeed. It's been really interesting to hear your views on that. And uh, so that's it really for this edition of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol's Smarter Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Antonia Curl in Lisbon from the Economist Intelligence Unit. And of course, to Gary Adams, president of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol in Memphis, Tennessee. Thank you both. I'm sure we will, we will meet again on another occasion. And if you do want to know more, you can learn more about the Trust Protocol at trustuscotton.org. And I look forward to seeing you next time when we will be discussing data and supply chain transparency. Goodbye.